Elliot Goldstein is hosting a radio and podcast show out of New Mexico called NMDJ Presents Fly on the Wall. We are building a fresh, fabulous podcast library of musicians, writers, artists, and all good people of note, with many new and exciting guests to come. We are listener-funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. We appreciate your help. We would like to thank Alan Gower for the intro music. Enjoyed the show. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall podcast. I'd like to tell you how I got started. Um, I really had no idea on um, the beginnings of what had even where to start. And I stumbled upon Anchor by Spotify. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And I'll explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And um, when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast automatically on listening platforms. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on other uh, platforms. And it, Anchor made it so simple. And um, it's all in one place. Everything you need to make a podcast, you can find in one place. And um, the amazing part is it's all free. So um, there is no uh, downside to any of this. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. And again, it's the Anchor app or go anchor.fm. And it's real easy to get started. And um, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall and uh, back to the show. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Welcome to Fly on the Wall podcast brought to you by NMDJ Radio and New Mexico DJ Service. Today's guest is Mark Brickley, author of Postcards from a Liverpool, Beatles Moments, and Memories. Enjoy. Uh, um, okay. His big show up, up there. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, some interesting stories. I saw the Bangladesh show. In really? Sydney, yes, at Madison Square Garden. I was lucky enough to see that show. Nice. And then I saw John Lennon play at the one-to-one uh, benefit, uh, Willowbrook. Oh, oh nice. Uh, with um, opening acts were um, Stevie Wonder, um, Roberta Flack, and Shanana. Oh, my God. And So uh, what, what year was that? That had to be 72, I believe. So, too. so was was he still playing? You know his um, uh, the Plastic Ono, his his 1970 album. Um, he was, was playing, he playing cuts off that. Yeah, he was playing. Well, he did Imagine. Yeah, 
but um, he had the Elephant's Memory Band backing him. And yes. um, and I, I'll tell you the truth, um, it was one of the most lackluster shows I ever remember seeing. Yeah. He was so yeah. well. You ever hear that album live in New York? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, so that was that was it, you know. And it, was, okay. it wasn't the greatest um, night oh. in my life. Stevie okay. Wonder upstaged him. Stevie was hot at yeah. the time. You know, Talking Book was out. He was, just, you know, he was, uh, you know. Um, anyway, it's, that's and then I saw John Lennon in 1970 with uh, Frank Zappa. I went, I really? At the Fillmore, he came out for a couple of oh, yeah. cuts with. Uh, he did uh-huh. a couple. He did a. He did a like the encore uh, with uh, Zappa. Him, really? Yeah, him and Yoko. You know, she she okay. she quetched for twenty minutes, and you know he you know he did what he did. She crawled into a bag. The whole thing. So you know, it was you know whatever. Well, you know, I, the reason the reason I mentioned that was, was uh, about about the uh, Plastic Ono Band album that came out in seventy. Is that right. you know they just have a new box set that just came out. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. you know I I just read the big long article by. Mark Richardson in the uh, Wall Street Journal yesterday, and uh-huh. uh, it's it's really it's a good review of, yeah. of the album. Yeah, a lot of that stuff um, I've had on bootleg for years, and they're, they're smart. They finally cleaned it up a bit and got it out there. Um, yeah, there's a new there's a new remix by some guy I'd never heard of before. Um, his name is uh, uh, what is his name? Um, they uh, Hicks. What's his first name? Um, Anyway, there's Paul Hicks. I had never heard of him before, um, yeah. you know, uh, in terms of, right. um, you know, people that would be entrusted with doing a, a, a pretty important remix. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, well, I, 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 how would you like the remix that his son did on his, uh, um, the, uh, I guess it was his birthday not too long ago. They did that, uh, they put out that album. The Lenin. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not real familiar with that that yeah, particular I remix. Know, I wasn't. I wasn't too impressed with that one. Oh but, yeah. But you know, I I have all the Beatles remixes and yeah, I do and, too. Uh, um, yeah, you know, I, I <laughs> well, I, I I won't go on, but uh, well, yeah, well, I mean, well, there's, there's a, a lot of there's, there's a, a lot of lot of people that don't like the remixes. I I I, I like hearing clarity. You know, yeah. I like. When when certain parts are enhanced, but yeah, I do too. Know. But sometimes they enhance the wrong parts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, every, you know, everybody has their. You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, everybody has their own. You know, it's like a horse race. Everybody picks their own horse. Nobody. Yeah. You know, you know, it's the same yeah. thing with remixes. Some some of them are great, like uh, um, the ones that um, 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 Giles and Martin did. He's he's incredible. Yeah. He's doing beautiful work yeah. with the Beatles stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I I I, I um. Yeah, I was actually when you said uh, you know that you know you did a lot of shows on the East Coast. I I went back for that Mammoth, uh, and it's in my book. You might have read it uh, about uh-huh. the conference, uh, the inter- you know the uh, yeah. uh, Ken Womack conf- conference at Mammoth University, and sure. and um, I've interviewed you know, I've, I've interviewed Ken a few times. Oh, he's a great guy, yeah. and and uh, really smart. Um, but you know um, they had um, they had uh, um, you know the guy who who. Remix the uh, or who who originally recorded the uh, uh, yeah you know Thomas who did the uh, White Album or right. about eight, eight tracks on the White Album uh, right. excuse me on on on, on Abbey Road and um, and he uh, Chris Thomas and and he uh, excuse me on, on the White Album and and he 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 was real wasn't real happy about about remixes you know yeah. and he was the guy who who did you know Savoy Truffle and you know sure. uh, 
great stuff, you know, and, and he actually wrote the, uh, wrote the, the horns, the horn arrangement for Subway Truffle. And, you know, here, here's a guy who was actually there and says, oh, I don't know about remixes, you know, uh, uh, the, the mono version is always the version that I thought was the best. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you, uh, do you have the mono versions? Yeah. Oh, I have everything. Yeah. 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 I do too. I love going back to the mono versions. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes you're right. Sometimes, you know, the mono versions were the way they did it. You know, that was the original before, you know, the enhanced stereo, the, you know, when, 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 uh, when the vocals were on the left side and the music was on the right side, you know, yeah, um, you know, the mono was the was what they actually um, worked on. You know, there's a new book coming out this week, I believe. Um, I got something from the Daily Mail about some interesting things. I don't know if you've heard about this. I probably haven't. Um, it hasn't hit the West Coast yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm in New Mexico. We we get hit after you. <laughs> We get, At the same time. We get hit after uh, Taiwan, I think. <laughs> but, um, Maybe I have heard it's, about it. It's an, inter- it's an interesting book. It's, um, it's about coincidences in the Beatles' career. Like, for instance, did, really? you, did you know the man that um, killed um, John Lennon's mother was a man named Eric Clogg? Yeah. And he happened, not only did he run over Lennon's mother, yeah. but he became Paul McCartney's mailman. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Crazy stories like crazy that. Crazy stories, yeah. Um, I mean, I I was I was wish that, you know, they had DUI tests back then. I'm sure he was probably had been to the pub. Well, it's he swears he wasn't. He was uh, he was he didn't have a license. He was he had a learner's permit. Oh, really? At the time, but he um he yeah. swears that he wasn't drunk. But well, you know, but okay. it's funny that he became a Cartney's um Mailman. Mailman. <laughs> you know? um, oh, God. Have you, have you been to Liverpool? Yes. Yeah. You yeah. know you, you know how close they yeah. they are. You know, yeah. uh, the guys ride their bicycles back yeah. and forth to each other's house. Yes, yes. But um, also, um, uh, there was a dance contest that Paul McCartney wrote about. Yeah. Uh, not that he wrote, but he was a judge. Yeah, yeah. And he picked the winner of the dance contest. Yeah, I heard about that one. And then the, the then he wrote the um, she's leaving home. It turned out to be yeah, the same woman. Yeah, and yeah, that's 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 a, that's, a, that's a, a, astounding. Yeah, 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 and um, same girl. <laughs> yeah, same girl. So, same yeah, girl in the paper. <laughs> and, and you know they go through the fact that Lennon, you know, number nine was his number. Mm. You know, one after nine oh nine and uh, revolution yeah. number nine and number nine dream, and he was born on the ninth and yeah. Then come together. He subconsciously wrote about the Beatles. The yeah. fr- you know, there was a line about each one of them in there. So, you know, I, I, I actually I have that as one of my trivia questions. Uh, how, how how number nine? Uh, it's it's in my little part of my book trivia right. concert. Yeah. I think he was born at on uh, at, at nine Newcastle Road as well. Right. So yeah, that's that's right. One, one of the other coincidences. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yep, 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 yep. And I yeah. see that um, you. Um, you actually had uh, Lawrence Juber in your book. A picture of him, yes. and because uh, yeah, I saw him perform, I've seen him perform a number yeah, of times. I've interviewed Lawrence; great guy. Oh yeah, I oh. mean, no, no better technical guitarist, uh, you know, just in terms of, you know, skills and chops that that I've heard. You know, yeah. I mean, especially yeah. live. Oh, boy, yeah. he is just terrific. And what what do you think about his uh, um, take on the Beatles music? Um, you know, <laughs> be honest. I, I I I like it. I'll tell you the the, the one. Um, he he did a lot. 
when when Paul's first wife died, I went to a tribute at the Santa Barbara Courthouse, okay. and he's, he he was playing up in San Francisco, and he sent down a live recording of In My Life, just him playing, and I was so stunned by how beautiful it was. Um, you know, when you hear Lawrence play live, it's a lot different than you hear his his recorded stuff. It's a little, which is a little bit, I think, just a little bit flat. It's uh, it's it's just really hard to capture. Um, you know, I mean, you know, a member of Wings playing right in front of you. It's it's it it it, it it's just um, for me. I'm a guitarist. I appreciate you know Lawrence's skills. Um, I I could never approach them. I, I, he's he's so skilled at uh, music outside the Beatles as well. But uh, you know, I I like his his stuff. Um, I I've heard other people play it um, as well. Other guitarists and and. You know, um, I, I like him live. I'm just going to stay positive yeah, and say well, that. I found his albums to be a little um, wind, winded. I think they're just, I, I don't know, I just can't get into them. And yeah, it's it, it just, it, it just the feeling is just a little bit dampened, and I don't know what sterile, it is. Too sterile. Exactly. Too sterile, and, and, and I spoke to him about that. You know, I interviewed Lawrence. and um, What did he say? Um, you know, that, that's his playing. You know, that's, that's the way he plays. I, I spoke to guys like Peter White. You know Peter White, another brilliant guitarist. Oh yeah, spent a lot of his. You know, and Lawrence and um, uh, Lawrence and Peter both backed um, Al Stewart for a time. They both worked with Al Stewart. Really? And yeah, and I preferred um, a Peter White's, uh, you know, Al Stewart phase than uh -huh. Lawrence's. And um, mm -hmm. so me and Lawrence didn't get along too well. <laughs> and, uh, and here's another trivia piece for you <laughs> Lawrence and Peter go to the same dentist <laughs> no kidding oh my god well you know one of the nice things that Lawrence did during the pandemic yeah. is once a week right. he had a live show and I listened to it and it was really cool of him to do that yes. and um, you know uh, there are some other artists that did that too but not every week no, and no, uh, no, you no, know no. that's pretty cool well, Lawrence, for someone of his stature yeah, actually, um, I got relatively, during the pandemic, I got relatively friendly with a Carl uh, Verheyen. Do you know Carl? In What's his name? Carl Verheyen. No, I don't. Another brilliant guitar player. Worked with Supertramp at the end of their Oh, thing. really? Worked oh, okay. Supertramp. He's in California. Um, well, yeah, I, there, there's a guy who lives up in Ojai. Their drummer uh, for Supertramp lives in Ojai, and I've seen him yeah. a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when the band yeah. reformed... Forget and, his name. Yeah, when the band reformed, they, they picked up a lot of uh, Americans. Um, they're not going to... I don't think they're going to be playing any uh, anytime soon. Uh, really? Uh, yeah. Um, th 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 was, I forget his name. Uh, uh, David's his last name, Davis. Uh, he's very sick. You know, the leader of the band. Is oh, very sick. oh um, yeah. So I don't think they'll be going out again. And um, anyway, um, you know, I... I I don't know if you're really into old, you know, music and stuff. Oh, uh, pretty much. <laughs> you, yeah, but but are you into the uh, British Invasion besides the Beatles? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, one of my best buddies is Zoot Money. Do you remember Zoot? <laughs> well, that's that's a name that I don't know. Zoot Money's big roll band. Oh, okay. Check it out. Zoot started with the Lexus Corner. He started with the Rolling Stones. That's how wow. far back he goes. Wow. Yeah. And uh, um, uh, last week I interviewed some of the guys from the Pretty Things. Okay. If you remember yeah. the pretty things. Sure, sure, of so, course. Yeah, I spoke course. to Wally and John. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm kind of... Um, That's really great that you're doing that because, um, you know, uh, looking looking back, um, you know, 
even as deep as you're going is 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 pretty important. I think yeah, you know because you know what, what what's what's startling to me and what I tell people all the time is that hey, if there's an artist that you really uh, and I said this a couple of years ago before the pandemic, but it's still true. You got to go hear them because they're just not going to be around. No, they're not. Um, I have um, two really really close friends. I'm really good setting back the Wayback Machine. They were in the original Mothers of Invention. Oh, boy. They're 87. Oh, my God. And 88, and they're still out there playing tennis, which uh, <laughs> which boggles my mind. I can't tie my shoe, uh, you know, without three people helping me. And these guys are out there playing tennis. But Bunk Gardner and Don Preston. And they're still playing. Okay. And they still want to get, yeah. out, get out there and tour. And um, Really? Okay, yeah. well, good for them. I mean, you know, I think the Mothers, uh, uh, I heard them in the day. But not, you know, yeah, not the most more recent uh, um, uh, touring uh, acts. Yeah. But, um, you know, I I think their music really needs to be heard again. Yeah, well, I, I got very very close to that whole uh, inner uh, Zappa circle thing, so uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I kind of talk to them often. So anyway, let's. Um, so cool. Now that we did what I usually do at the end, I have one more question. <laughs> then we'll talk about your book. Oh sure. sure. And, and and I'm doing this because I usually. What we what we did now? Yeah, were, usually, were you were, were you recording everything we just talked? Everything's about? recorded. Yeah. Oh my god! And, it, and this is usually the end of the interview when we just. Oh my god! When we start okay. just throwing you know things up in the air. But, okay, um, whatever you want to do. What's your go-to? Uh, what do you think is the most important Beatle album? Um, Wait! <laughs> don't say anything. I'm going to write it mine down so you don't think okay. I'm copying you. Okay, sure. Okay. Well, I think I think probably Abbey Road because the 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 the, the long one, you know, the the, the long medley on side two yeah. is there's just nothing like it. I don't think in rock music, and I I think there's just so many elements to that. You know, um, uh, all three um, member, all three guitarists in the Beatles playing a lead guitar solo on 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 you know kind of the seminal track of the album and and maybe the maybe the Beatles entire career other than their early stuff but um um you know to me that's that's their greatest album i i i, I there's a little trivia that i i found out recently i um try to uh, uh and we were talking about trivia recently but but uh, uh there's a great book out uh came out a while back i'm going to put it up on the screen so people can see it it's uh it's the beatles in fashion and uh you know how we perceive the beatles it's it's by a guy named pablo uh hewitt uh -huh. and it's called fab gear so uh one of the little pieces uh that were in was in this book um and i think how we perceive the beatles is 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 certainly a piece of of how um uh, why they have endured in terms of our uh, our our love of their our love of just their entire essence but and certainly music is the what what is what drove me to them but uh on the Abbey Road album um you know it looks like a pretty casual shot right uh but um actually they had all three of those suits especially designed uh, by a, a, a guy. Um, his name was uh, Tommy Nutter, and he, he designed all three of the suits for uh, Lennon, um, uh, Starr, and McCartney. Um, of course, Harrison was into denim at 
the time and yeah. just said the hell with it. And uh, I'm going to wear what I'm going to wear, but uh, he, he looked great. But um, uh, that's just a, this is a little sidebar to yeah, uh, yeah. the um, Abbey well, Road album. Okay, well, Revolver, that's the one I pick. Well, you know, I love that album. And, and um, uh, there were just so many uh, new um, elements that they added then. It, it was a revolutionary album. Well, Robert Rodriguez has, has written about it really brilliantly yes. as well. well and uh, My whole thing with Revolver is I think that gave them the... Um, they stopped being a, a, a little boy band, not a little, boy, like a boy band type thing, and they became um, um, four separate musicians. You know, they and I think that's they started, you know, fraying away from each other. I think a lot of experimental. They gave the Beatles and every band at that time permission to just, you know, Beach Boys did good vibrations. It just became a time when everybody did what they uh, were meant to do, so to speak. So Revolve is mine. And I'll ask you another one, uh, the, the sure. uh, solo album, most important Beatles solo album. And I'm writing mine down. <laughs> well, I, I read about this in my book. Uh, I only have uh-huh. one review uh, uh, in my uh, book, Postcards from Liverpool, Beatles Moments and Memories. I haven't said that We're yet. We're going to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but uh, the, 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 the one album that I review and... and um, you know, I think that uh, 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 it, it, it did really well. It got a, got a couple of Grammys. Um, it was on the charts for God knows how long, but it was banned on the run. Paul McCartney's 1975 album. Okay, I don't want to correct you, but I don't think that's it. I think it's all things must pass. <laughs> well, that's true. And, 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 and uh, you know, I, I'm a big George Harrison fan. In fact, just recently... I uh, uh, was listening to a guy who was with them in uh, a video of him, um, of him uh, in in uh, Rishikesh, uh-huh. uh, he, uh, Donovan, of course, and sure. and and the song was "Hurdy Gurdy Man," and and you probably know this, but maybe some of your listeners don't. Uh, is that George Harrison uh, in, in this 2007 video that I recently bought? Donovan says, "You know, I'm going to reveal for the first time uh, the long lost verse." To Hurdy Gurdy Man, which mm-hmm. was got to number five on the Billboard charts, sure. and um, I haven't memorized it, so I'm going to read it to you just for the fun, fun of it. Yeah, and, and this and, was the and an FYI, told my listeners, Donovan is the first concert I ever attended at Madison Square Garden. Wow, lucky you! And the month later, that I saw the Rolling Stones, the Yayas, the Garden. God, fantastic! October, well, November, '69. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Well, this was. This came from 1968, right. and uh, so uh, Donovan uh, plays this song, Hurdy Gurdy Man, which of course is about the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, right. and they're sit- he, uh, he just re- uh, start- started the song, and, and uh, um, he played it for George, and says, George picks up a guitar and says, well, you know, Don, I think I can write a verse for that song, and so he does, and he says, uh, here's, here's what he wrote. When the truth gets buried deep beneath a thousand years of sleep, time demands a turnaround, and once again the truth is found. And, and and in the in the video, uh, uh, Donovan after he sings it says, "Yeah, George, yeah, George." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's a little cool piece of uh, of George Harrison. I'm, I'm a big George Harrison fan. All all things must pass was a was just a brilliant album, and and um, 
you know, um, uh, it, it's amazing to me that a lot of those songs never appeared on other Beatles albums because they were written, some of them were quite some time Well, back. that was the whole thing. He was allowed two, two cuts on an album, and the other guys had to uh, give him the uh, thumbs up on them. Yeah. And, and I think some of his best stuff was buried, and it finally came out. You know, all yeah. things must pass. Yeah. And and I have another theory that the further away from 69 the guys got, the weaker the material became. And I don't know if you've witnessed that, but, um, you know, I think they I think it was magic. You know, you had four guys who yeah. uh, um, were turned down by Decca Records. And um, do you know the band that got the uh, um, go-ahead that day? Well, I think it was, uh, th- I, I know it was Brian Poole and the Tremolos. That's right. <laughs> which is, this is an East London band, and they yeah. uh, they, they, they charted some records, but they they, they didn't do yeah, too Yeah, well. I mean, the Beatles could have been Brian Poole, because if, <laughs> if, if they were picked up by Decca, there would have been no George Martin. Yeah. You know, there would have been no Abbey Road. You know, they, uh, Decca had their own studios. And, uh, you know, just the magic happened. Everything happened for a reason. Just everything kind of settled in and they became the Beatles. Well, you know, that, that, all those songs were chosen by Brian Epstein. I, I write about it in, in my book. Uh, right, right. Uh, uh, and I, and I, uh, okay, you know what? Stop. Oh, Let's talk. Only, we're, oh, go we're, ahead. we're going to stay go the book now. We keep, oh, no. I just want to say that. No, no, no. We, know, keep, I, we keep I, throwing I, in the book. So, oh, oh. I want everybody to know what book we're talking about. Oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah. We're talking about postcards from Liverpool, and it's Beatles moments and memories. And it was written by Mr. Mark Brickley, who I've been uh, torturing for the past half hour, and I'm not letting him talk about his book. So, and, he, and so here we go. We're talking about the book. Post, it's a it's a brilliant book. Um, I couldn't put it down. I, in fact, um, I read another book this week, coming from the same, uh, I guess, uh, um, promotional people, which was. Um, 30 minutes out of Memphis, 30 minutes yeah. in Memphis, my, my, my apologies. And that was a, um, a fiction book based around the Beatles. This is an actual book that, um, you know, I thought I knew a lot about the Beatles, but I believe Mark has me up by a couple of uh, facts. And um, it's a brilliant book. I, I suggest everybody get, get a copy of it. And we'll talk about where you can get it later, but let's talk about your book. Sure. Mr. Mark. Well, uh, well, you know, we were just talking about uh, um, the Decca uh, audition, right. and uh, you know that was uh, that that was uh, fraught with a lot of problems. Um, you know, the Beatles didn't have great equipment uh, mm. at that period of time. Their their set list was chosen by their by their manager, uh, who you know. Um, <laughs> Mostly stayed out of their um, uh, their their musical repertoire. I mean, he he, he re- redesigned their look and their their act, and you know, uh, uh, encouraged them to you know to get into uh, the, the kinds wear the kinds of suits that they did and all that. But you know, um, uh, he he chose he chose their set list, and uh, if you look at the Decca set list and you look at their capital and um, uh, uh, their their parlophone albums. Um, you 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 notice immediately that only two of the covers they did, and none of the originals ever appeared on a parlophone or Capitol Records album. So the Beatles sound really hadn't crystallized at that point, um, and uh, maybe that's good <laughs> because uh, you know w- when they did break through uh, with. Uh, 
you know, immediately with Love Me Do and P.S. I Love You. And then almost jumped uh, uh, up the charts uh, almost immediately with Please Please Me, Uh, you know, and, you know, uh, all the cuts that followed. Uh, They were ready, but I'm not sure that they were really ready when they did that DECA demo. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug and Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Marquis. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. You may be right, but again, if they did get that decade demo, it would have been a different story, right? It sure, oh, it sure would have. And, you know, ironically, um, uh, you know, I, I talk about this uh, uh, a bit. And uh, I, there's one, of, one of the, the first, the first uh, chapter I, I wrote for this, this book was actually written for a, um, uh, I was a, been a, a music writer and newspaper columnist for about 10 years before I wrote the book. And uh, I wrote about, I wanted to, I wanted to do something, you know, that was, it would add to the Beatles written history. Uh-huh. So I said, what can I write about? Um, and I said, well, uh, I want to write about their very first record. So right. that's what I did. And that was my very first piece that appeared first on a, um, a, a, uh, internet site called newshawk.com and then and then in a couple of newspaper columns uh but uh i rewrote it for the book and and um you know uh uh it there it's it's just one of the most astounding stories of how the beatles really uh, from a very unknown act uh uh took a risk and went to hamburg came back an entirely different group of musicians extremely confident ex- extremely uh you know uh, uh, uh well versed in and how to perform uh exciting uh vibrant uh uh singing uh harmonies in parallel thirds so uh, uh you know a third above the melody line or below the melody line uh, all of the aspects that now we we uh we, when we listen to their music we we say oh yeah that's the beatles uh, because there's really no one that it really compares to them in terms of vocalists and vocal harmony, uh, uh, you know, of that era, maybe. Yeah, pl- uh, plus the fact that um, at that time, there weren't two lead singers in any bands. It was uh, Mr. X and the rest of us, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, that's um, so true. Yeah, yeah. You know, I spoke to the guys from The Pretty Things, and they actually did the same circuit that the Beatles did in Hamburg, but the Beatles slept in the um, 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 in the bars, you know, they yeah. you know in little cubbies, whatever. The pretty things came from a little upper middle class background, and they said to the managers, they said to the club managers there, "We're not doing that." So they actually got to sleep in these people's homes, 
they had to drive like half an hour back to the uh, clubs, in, you know, the yeah. Star Club and everything else. Yeah. But they didn't live in the club itself. So, um, you know, but, you know, they're not the Beatles. They're the pretty things. And um, I, think well, that's all, it. I think all of that stuff that they went through made them the Beatles. Exactly. And, 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 and not, not just once. And their first residency was four months, but they had four, they had three others. So right, right. You know, they, they were there a lot. Right. I, I, I think that I, you know, I, 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 one of the things that I, I, I really believe is true is that persistence is one of the uh, most underrated factors of creativity. And the Beatles really, you know, were a persistent group. I mean, they played 800 shows before, or more, mm. before they actually played, uh, uh, went down to London and recorded their first single. Right. And that's what made them the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, that They got that sound. They, they they knew how each other, you know. And I think that's what's lacking from a lot of newer bands. They don't have that uh, camar- camaraderie. They, they didn't um, starve together. They didn't freeze their butts off in the back of vans together. They didn't have to push a man up a hill together. You know, it, it, it kind of gave. You know, I have. Um, you know, I have friends in other big bands and things, and the ones that made it, that really, really made it. I'm talking about, you know, obviously not Beatles status, but you know, up there, really, really up there as well. These are the guys that you know bled together, that kind of you know lived yeah. together. They slept on each other's floors. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. It's just. Yeah, I mean, you know, Van Halen's a good a good example of that. You know, yeah. you go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in, uh, in 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 Cleveland, Ohio, and they have a lot of their gear and pictures of their van, mm. and you know, the cruddy old van. And Beatles were like that too. They had a van they toured around them that actually their fans used to write on. It had graffiti all over it, you mm. know, and and uh, uh, it just it just shows you how close yes. the band was to their fans, and that's yeah. that's that's what, that's what breaks an act. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have friends in uh, the original Santana band. They slept on each other's couches. They, you know, they, they, they kind of, uh, you know, if they had a meal that was shared five ways, that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's true. Yeah, you know, yeah. They were, you know and, um, you know, for lack of a better word, the, you know, for, for a better term, the bands that kind of grew up as a gang are the guys who made it. And, um, yeah, you know. Well, you know, the thing about the Beatles is that, you know, they they really uh, didn't really want to be famous. They wanted to be musicians. And right. Ringo Starr said this several times, is that, you know, um, they, 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 they had, th- that was their goal. That's what they focused on. And, and the rest came after all of that. Mm-hmm. When they were good enough to uh, have people suddenly become excited about hearing them. And it was based on the, all the covers they did. I mean, they were a cover band for like six years, right? Yeah. So, uh, so they, yeah, they, they threw in a few originals, but that's because as they were so good at as performers that people started playing. People, and, you know, they were at the top of shows with five or six acts on it, and they would play last, and they'd hear people playing, you know, half of their set list because that's what you know, that's what the, the, everyone was playing the same stuff. Yeah. So you know, from from the states. And then, so they started throwing in some of their some of their originals to stand out. And yeah, they did. I think the earliest original um, that's found on one of their set lists is from 1960, and and uh, it's uh, um, 
you know, one after 909. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, a, a lot of that, a lot of their material, um, was written early and they kind of incorporated it in, into their sets. And that, and that really made them stand out. Yeah. Um, again, going back to uh, the pretty things, some of those guys were in a band <coughs> called, um, uh, Burn Elliott and the Fenmen. And their first single was Money. And they got it not from Motown, but from hearing guys like the Beatles do it in yeah. Hamburg, you know, as yeah. you know, and you know, and, and tracing it back, they later, you know, before they recorded it, obviously, they found that it was a Motown tune, but they thought yeah. it was a uh, you know a Beatle tune. But the thing about the Beatles and, and their covers was they had such a broad range. You know, yes. they had everything from music hall to to. Um, uh, show tunes, yep. uh, you know, Taste of Honey. Uh, they even did, uh, the famous, uh, Judy Garland song. And, 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 but they learned it from somebody else, you know, yeah, they didn't even yeah. know it was Judy Garland's same, material. Well, that's the same thing with the Fen Men. They learned money from the Beatles. Yeah. From hearing yeah, them do yeah. it in Hamburg. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, and, but, um, but Pete, Pete Best told us a great story. I saw him uh, in 2019 at the San Diego Beatles Fair. He was, the, they flew in his drums from uh, from Liverpool, and he did a set, and he had an hour long interview. Uh, and he said, you know, one of the reasons that uh, uh, that material, uh, you know, stands out now is that, and and the reason that it actually came that came forward is that about about midnight or eleven o'clock at night, they had to throw out all the underage kids in these German nightclubs mm-hmm. in Hamburg, and so. There was an older crowd, and he said, "Well, we played some, you know, softer stuff, some older stuff to the older crowd, and that was a lot of the songs that ended up on the BBC, um, you know, on on their um, uh, that th- th- we heard dozens of times performed live on the BBC on sure. on their on their uh, uh, CDs and and, and, the anthol- ta- and tapes, yeah. Yeah, the anth- <laughs> you know, the anthology- live at the BBC, then the anthologies." And the anthologies, exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, it's really cool to listen to the three anthology uh, uh, CDs because uh, Pete Best plays on eight of the cuts, and that's, that's why he made a lot, a lot of money uh, off those uh, early, yeah. antho- the, or at least anthology one, right. is because it sold pretty well. Yeah. And finally he got paid, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I, I think that's great. And he, he was really a nice guy. Um, he, one of the stories he told, I just really briefly, is that you know he's uh, he was asked by some audience member to describe each of the Beatles. So he says, uh, "Okay, I'd be glad to," you know. And and uh, he, he he's a really charming guy and, oh. and a funny guy. Uh, and 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 uh, uh, so so he says, Lennon, genius. Right. McCartney, genius. Harrison, genius. And uh, someone says, what about you? And he's kind of looked sheepishly. He says, genius. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last, of course, member uh, to, to be mentioned is Star. And he looks at the audience and he says, drummer. Drummer. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, old wounds can uh, still, still sting. You want, to hear but, another, uh, you, you want to hear another old wound? Do you remember um, a band called Brinsley Schwartz? I don't know if you know. Oh, God, that goes way back. Nick Lowe was in that band. Yeah. And Ian Gum was in that band. Wow, wow. Now, Ian, um, I'm kind of friendly with Ian, and um, he said that their manager, who um, owned Stiff Records, uh, Dave Robinson, who I've interviewed. But anyway, before he started Stiff, Dave was their manager. Robinson Brothers, yeah. Well, Dave, <laughs> Dave, well, Dave says to him, uh, 
Ian, I want you and Nick to write a couple of songs together. So he he says, okay. So he goes up to Nick, and he says to him, Nick, uh, Dave wants us to write a couple of songs together. And Nick says to him, Ian, fuck off. <laughs> okay? <laughs> anyway, he says, I go back, I come back a year later, and I said to him, uh, Nick, uh, uh, Dave wants us to write some songs together. So Nick says, okay, come in, we'll write some songs together. So they spent like one or two nights, they spent two days together, and uh, they wrote six songs. Wow. And so uh, Ian says to him, how are we going to do this, Nick? Lennon McCartney, McCartney Lennon, how are we going to name the tunes? And he says, you know what, Um, Ian, you pick three songs and I'll pick three songs. So they each picked three songs, and Nick got What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. Oh. So Ian never got writing credit on it. And he says, you know, I, don't, I, I have no remorse. You know, you know, it doesn't hurt me that he made a million dollars on that one uh, uh, movie alone. You know, The Bodyguard. It was in The Bodyguard. He said, yeah. And Elvis, Cost- and Elvis Costello made a, a lot of money yeah, off it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know. A great version of it. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, that's, that was the history of that tune. That's uh, a cool story. Yeah, yeah. But um, they wrote Cruel to Be Kind together. Do you know that? Really? Yeah, they wrote that together, and they both got credit. And Ian said to me, I went to see Nick about two years ago with my wife. And Nick says to me, um, Ian, why did I give you credit on this song anyway? <laughs> so Ian says, because I made the tea that night, Nick. You know, it was, yeah. you know, it was yeah. like Nick, st- yeah. Nick doesn't want to give up anything. He's like, he's not ready to give up anything. So, But yeah, yeah can you imagine that writing? What's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? And That's not- one of my favorite songs ever. I, I had a chance to hear... Um, uh, when the police came through the Hollywood Bowl, uh-huh. uh, uh, I, I went down to the show. A buddy of mine got tickets, and and uh, Elvis uh, Costello yeah. and the attract, uh, attractions opened. And um, Sting came out and sang uh, My Aim is True with Elvis. Uh-huh. And that was great. But to me, the highlight was the song that you just mentioned. Right. And to me, that's one of the greatest Elvis Costello songs ever. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, he really made it his own. But um, I'll tell you another story. You could use this if you like, another trivia piece. Um, another good friend of mine, in fact, I'll be on, live on the radio with him tomorrow, Artie Kornfeld. Mm. You know Artie from Woodstock? Yeah. Okay, I speak to Artie ten times a week. But anyway. I'm um, lucky. I, you know, I wish I'd been there. <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. Artie's at the uh, record plant, Yeah. the studio, and um, he's a cocaine addict at yeah. the time. And, um, you know, Artie started Cocaine's Anonymous. That's a little true. Did he really? Yes. But anyway. I have, I have, I have a buddy that's in that group. <laughs> okay. Anyway, he's, uh, he, he, put, he puts out his lines, and he's in, he's, one, he's in one of the stalls at the record plant, and he bends down to do the lines, and all of a sudden his legs are getting wet. Mm. He turns around. It's John Lennon urinating on him. No kidding. And, and Lennon says to him, he says to him, sorry, mate, but I can't see a thing without my glasses. And they, he started laughing, and they became best buddies for the rest of John's life, and um, that's how he met Lennon. And, that's, uh, a, that's, a, so that's a story to, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that everyone yeah. would want to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Artie told that on the radio, so it's, it's, that's, I'm not talking out of school. Hilarious. And, um, yeah. and also another piece of trivia, um, the night Lennon died, he wasn't living with Yoko. I don't know if you know that. Him and May Pang had an apartment in the Dakota, and he was living with May. And um, I thought that had ended. No, 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 no. It ended because they were selling albums. 
Double Fantasy had to be John and Yoko. And it was, whenever he left the building with me, with me they left the decoder in the back. They left in, you know, in the rear of the building. But, you know, when they knew people were out there with cameras and stuff, he would leave the front with Yoko. No kidding. Yeah, and um, the night he died, he was actually living with May Peng. Wow. And, and Artie had a, um, had a radio show years ago, and May was on with him and told the story. Wow. And Yoko sued them to have it taken down. Yeah. And have that whole thing uh, buried so that... Uh, well, that's really interesting because, you know, they just had that big um, ABC show. I forget what it's called, but uh, Ken Womack was on it. Yes. Uh, and a lot of uh, other uh, people uh, talking about the the, 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 the the day Lennon died. And right. that story wasn't told, I guarantee you, that, no, no, no. In that fact, night. In fact, listen to the show tomorrow. I'll have already repeat the stories. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, it was TT. It's the TTT Radio Network. Yeah. Dot com, and I'm, it'll be nine o'clock in the morning your time. Well, you know, she still. I think she still lives out here on the West Coast. I, I, I saw. Her, I met her once, but uh, uh, she didn't. She didn't tell me that story. Yeah, you know, she was <laughs> she was married to Tony Visconti, David Bowie's uh, producer. Yeah. For a long time, and um, you know, and Tony was also married to uh, Mary Hopkins. And um, uh, their kids, I, I spoke to uh, Jennifer Lee Morgan, who's uh, uh, Tony and Mary's daughter, and they're doing a whole new thing with Mary Hopkins' music now. Well, I, lo- I love her first album. And, yeah, and uh, yeah. you know, I, I, that's, a, that's an artist that I would like to re-explore. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, she, she, she really, uh, uh, she, had a, she had a fairly long career, and then she's kind of disappeared. Well, yeah, she kind of went underground. You know, she did her own thing. They're doing their own albums now, self. Uh, yeah. You know, they're putting them out on their own, you know. Have you interviewed her uh, yet? Oh, but not Mary. Jennifer, I have. Not Jennifer, Mar- yeah. yeah. Yeah, Mary doesn't really do interviews. But she I does spoke, not? No, okay. I, uh, yeah. Is she living overseas now? Is she living she's abroad? In the U- she's in the UK. Okay, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I'll... I'll if you'd like to speak to Jennifer, I could probably hook you up with Jennifer. <laughs> but um, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, you know, she sang back up in a lot of Mary Hopkins music and stuff. Really, and she kind of runs the uh, Mary Hopkins catalog now. Really? Yeah. So uh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. And she's in that band, Holy Holy, the uh, David Bowie band. Really? With, with her father, Tony plays bass in it. And, oh and gosh! The, and and uh, Woody Woodmansey. Uh, um, the Spiders from Mars drummer is in that band. Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. so I once said it was a cover band and they chewed me out for like an hour. It's not a cover band because we have some original members in it. That's so. true. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, no. How about you know what David Bowie feels about that? But well, uh, I'm still I still I'm still calling it a cover band. I don't care what. What's they that? Say. I, it's still a cover band in my eyes. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. They can yell at me all they want. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. So uh, where do we get your book? Well, my book uh, uh, is on uh, at the Beatles bookstore at David Bedford's uh, great uh, Beatles authors site. Um, you know, y- you can buy it on Amazon. Great. Book. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, uh, if you really wanted to, uh, uh, y- you could uh, contact me. Uh, through my website, uh, www.postcardsfromliverpool.com. Send me an email, and I'll, I'll, I'll send, get a way to get an autographed copy to you. I, I also go to uh, Elliot to a lot of the, uh, you know, 
best for Beatles fans and stuff like that. So, you know, if I'm ever at one of those, I'd be more than happy to sign a copy for anybody. And, um, you know, this book was designed in Australia, in Brisbane, Australia, uh, oh. formatted, and the book cover was d- uh, designed there. And um, so it's got 70 pictures in it, uh, a lot of them taken yeah. by me. I'm a photographer as well as a writer. And um, I think it's, I hope it's a fun read for everybody. I tried to put stuff in every uh, chapter that was new, uh, that maybe uh, you, 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 if, if you heard it, you'll hear this in a different way in this, in my book. So, uh, you know, it, it took about almost five years to write and, uh, I, I hope that everybody will enjoy it. It's a great book. It really is. And, uh, you Thank also, you very much, and you also have gone an extra, you didn't stop at the Beatles. You, <laughs> you, you continued on, you went through the kids, you, you went through uh, the yeah. Beatles kids. Yeah. And I don't know if you want to speak about that for a bit, but, um, well, just very briefly, you yeah. know, um, I just talk about, uh, kind of the career paths that the uh, the women and, and you know the the, the daughters of uh, McCartney and 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 Star and and um, and um, uh, you know um, the 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 sons how how they've all become musicians and right. or at least in in some way you know um, uh, Ringo Starr's uh, um, son was a was a drummer in a band called uh, part of the name of the band was the exploding nudists right. it was a, a, a london band uh so uh, uh something about sponges was in there too but i i don't i don't think i'll go there right now but uh, yeah, that's right. uh so so uh you know but but of course we we know um uh, Lennon's sons uh, uh, have become musicians and i had a chance to see, hear sean actually um he was on the tour with Les Claypool, the great bassist. That's right. And, um, uh, he was on tour with him about three years ago, and they came up to um, uh, San Luis Obispo, and I got a chance to go hear uh, Sean there. And he played a really powerful cover Sean did of his of uh, Tomorrow Never Knows as mm-hmm. a uh, kind of an encore for the show. And I'll tell you, that was a real treat to hear Sean play that. Uh, you know, his music is uh, uh, more contemporary and... and um, but but uh, he he's he's uh, I think it's great that he'll occasionally play some of his dad's music. Well, he did a cover of another uh, 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 John tune with. Um, it'll come to me in a second. Um, with another big band. Oh really? Yeah yeah. yeah. It, they released it as a single years ago. I remember. Oh really? Yes, <laughs> I'd like yes, to hear yes, that. Yes yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I remember it might have been the fix. No, it wasn't uh-huh. a fix. I'll, I'll think of it in a second. Great but band. It, Great yeah, band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, it was, um, yeah. Now, do you think a lot of these guys, you know, these kids are just kind of uh, milking their dad's reputation? <laughs> I, I, a, a, really, a really good friend of mine was on Julian Lennon's second album. He really? sang. He sang, he, he kind of, um, uh, 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 he duplicated uh, um, Julian's voice. He did all uh-huh. of the, uh, you know. They kind of sang together. A great, great singer named Pete Hewlett. Who? Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Pete. Yeah. Pete, Pete was a singer for. Um, uh, um, he started out. They brought him to New York to sing with Carly Simon on her first tour. Oh, really? And he worked wow. with uh, Joe Jackson. Toured with Joe Jackson. Had a band called Novo Combo, which was a pop band in the eighties, with uh, you know with with a bunch of other uh, guys. That's how I met him when he was in that band. 
and uh, he's in Pittsburgh now. But yeah, he did a lot of um, you know he did a lot of work with with uh, Sean Lennon, and Sean really? st- stopped recording. He gave that up. Yeah, and yeah, I know he's 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 been writing and he's had some children's books out. But you know, uh, to answer your question or to kind of address what you were saying is that um, you know I think it's a, a particular challenge probably. F- to, to, I mean, can you imagine being the son of, of George Harrison? I, I actually had a chance to see Donnie play live with his band, the New Number One, right. and um, uh, it was a it was a little pop up concert in Isla Vista, uh, California, which is a student com- uh, a bedroom community to uh, University of California, Santa Barbara, and you know it, that's where they burned the Bank of America in 1969, and right. you know it was kind of a hotbed for radicals and okay. and. Uh, so actually, a couple of bands have have, have come. Uh, Ugly Kid Joe came out of that 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 Isla Vista community, and a couple of other um, bands that have actually done better than a couple of reggae bands. But um, Donnie, uh, you know, uh, p- was very generous with his time, and he actually met everybody after the show. Uh, there was a couple of Hare Krishna women who came all the way from Washington D.C. that gave me a book. Uh, you know, uh, with the, uh, the, it, was, uh, it, was, it was kind of a happening. Wow. But um, Donnie was a, a really good musician, and he had some good musicians playing with him. Um, and he didn't play any of his dad's material, so it was all of his own. So, you know, I think that uh, sons and daughters of great iconic artists, you know, like Harrison and, and Lennon and Starr, um, you know, if they – if if they kind of chart their own path, hey, I'm totally supportive of it. And and you know, I I, I liked hearing Sean Lennon's interpretation of "Tomorrow Never Knows." So you never know. <laughs> yeah, well, the whole thing with that is uh, he had less, you know, he had less less Claypool with him. I mean, yeah. I could sound good with less. <laughs> yeah, so could I. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a keyboard player. I could sound brilliant with less. And um, well, he's 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 uh, he's like a wizard. Yes, a wizard on that bass guitar. Yes, yes, yes. And um, oh. I actually spoke to Oz Fritz not too long ago, who's an engineer. Uh huh. You know, I do I do a Monday night show with Bill Laswell. Do you know Bill? <coughs> you know, oh wow. Yeah. So you know, it's it's he's he's on like once a month with me, but it's all his artists. Oh he's, okay. He's, he's very involved in the show. It's called Destroy Your Rational Thought. Radio, <laughs> and uh, you know we play a lot of esoteric stuff, a lot of stuff that Bill's worked on. We did a, a two-hour tribute uh, last week to um, uh, um, Milford Graves, the great drummer. If you know, wow. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I do that on Monday nights with Bill, and um, how cool. So Oz is his main engineer. Yeah. Oz did a lot of work with Les. In fact, on one of the really? uh, um, Oysterhead albums, you know Oysterhead. Yeah. There's an album, Oz is Floating. Oh, really? And that's about Oz Fritz because he does one of those flotation things every morning before he leaves the house. He does he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in a flotation bed. <laughs> and and, and you, you, He used uh, to call it a water bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll say, well, this, no, this is different. This is old water. <laughs> this, is, this looks like a little casket filled with water, kind of. Oh, really? And you just float in it for hours in a dark. Oh, interesting. Dark. It's a new, it's like a meditation thing. Wow. And, um, I'll send you a link to my uh, podcast site because this will be up on it too. Oh, I'd love to and, see it. And you'll talk to Oz. You listen to the Oz thing, <laughs> and, and, and Oz and Les are very, very tight. They work. They work. A, you know, a lot together. But um, Ringo's son, you know, he, you know, he, he worked with the Who. Um, you know. Well, he still does, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the Who is out there, but he also worked with some other great bands. I don't know if you know. He worked with Johnny Mars. 
Yeah. He, he did some wow. Johnny Marr albums, which, is, which really? were brilliant. Yeah. And, and um, I had a chance to see him play with The Who at the Santa Barbara County Bowl. And yeah. Yeah, I was quite a ways back, but it was it was a real treat. He's, he's he a happened, really he happened, talented drummer. I think of all the kids, he's the most talented of all the Beatle kids. But yeah, you know, I I, I think you're probably right. Just yeah. in terms of an in, his it, as an instrumentalist, yes, you know, uh, uh, it certainly has had the biggest impact uh, on uh, as a musician. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he, uh, you know, I saw him with the Who. Uh, he was a brilliant drummer. Yeah, uh, I think out of all the Germans they had, you know, you know Kenny, you know, whatever, uh, um, he was, he really filled the bill. He didn't, he wasn't a copycat of um, Keith Moon's, but no. but he showed, had a lot of power behind him. He, oh, he sure does. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, playing with Pete Townsend, you know, uh, who has like fifty guitars off stage, and he yeah. every song, he or sometimes twice in a song, you'll get a he'll get his Brody will come out with another guitar, yep. you know. So keeping up with him is uh, is pretty amazing, and yes. and you know the Who now has uh, a multiple instrumentalists on stage. Oh, you know, yeah. It's not just a four man act anymore, and, nope. and so you 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 really got to have your chops together, and oh, yeah. and he, yeah. he and he does. Yeah, you know, he's a great drummer. Um, and, and he he kind of surpassed the te- you know the, the, the you know the test of time. He's been there for a while with the Who. Yes, he has. He sure has. Um, so um, I spoke to um, so I spoke to Wally Waller. Wally um, was um, um, Norm Smith's Norman Smith's. Uh, um, he worked with Norman at Abbey Road. Yeah. Uh, Norman pulled him in. He did a lot of work with Norman, and of course, Norman engineered all the albums. Up to Robesol, I believe. I think you're right. Yeah, and um, so where did Norm? Where did Norman go after that? I, did, did he have a falling out at uh, EMI? Is that what happened? No, no. Actually, he got a promotion. Did he get a promotion? Okay. That's what I heard. He got a he got promoted, and, and Wally okay. told me this. He was kicked yeah. up, so he was out of the engineering. There uh, you go. That's what happened. Yeah, I yeah, remember that you're he, reading he, about that. He became a full producer. Uh huh. And he started working with bands like Barclay Harvest and uh, mm-hmm. bands like that. And yeah. uh, he just kept getting promoted and promoted. He got bigger and bigger and bigger. And he kind of mm-hmm. left the uh, roots of engineering behind to other people. <laughs> and um, well, he got well, he got the Beatles started, uh, you know, and and that's that's all that counts. And I actually, mean, who filled in brilliant. for him? Who filled in for him? Alan Parsons, right? Yeah, Alan Parsons uh, right out lives right out here in Santa Barbara. I see him almost every year, and yeah. he's a he's a judge at the Big Avocado Festival here in Carpinteria, and super nice guy. Yeah. I understand, um, you know, uh, he did uh, Jake Schumann Bacaro's uh, uh, the great ukulele players album a couple of years back, and uh-huh. he's still pretty actively involved as a producer. Yeah, yeah, he is, and um, I saw some interesting Parsons stories. A great guy. Nobody has a bad word to say about Alan he's Parsons. He's tall. Let me tell you, I, I, yeah. his his wife is super nice too, and yeah. I, you know, but uh, he's a real presence. Yeah, yeah. And what a brilliant um, um, musician! What a brilliant mm. producer he was. Did you ever his, hear his band Parsons? Have you heard his, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I I I only had a chance to hear uh, hear him play once, and I was pretty impressed. Yeah. You know, and it, it's all new players. It's just Alan and everybody else. Right. You know, but, but, uh, all, but you, all, still, you, all you need is Alan. That's all you need. <laughs> all you need is Alan. He, uh, <laughs> he he's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he um, yeah, he everybody loved working with Alan Parsons. So um, 
your book, if you had to um, kind of tell people the most important thing about why they should get this book, what would it be? Um, what, what I really want to, 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 wanted to do with this book is I wanted to, uh, to communicate my love of the Beatles' music, how they put their music together, uh, how they wrote their songs, how they created their harmony, uh, what their influences were, but really the joy of their music. And uh, that's what has kept me um, involved, you know, at, you know, and I, st- I play their music. I play about 10 of their songs. And, and you know, uh, how they constructed their music, it, it, it truly, uh, Pete Best calling um, Lennon and McCartney geniuses and Harrison geniuses uh, is, is true. This is a once-in-a-generation band. Uh, who somehow came together and created music that will stand the test of time. Um, it's timeless. Uh, and, and, but it's, it's music that still feels you when you hear their harmonies and hear their early songs and the progression of their music. It gives you such joy. And that's what I wanted to communicate in the book. And I, in a fun way, in a readable way, uh, short, sort of short, short chapters, 21 chapters, 200 pages, 70 pictures. I wanted it to be, you know, a book that you pick up and say, oh, wow, uh, th- this was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, whoever's listening, I'll tell you another thing, too. You get a lot of facts all put together in one, um, you know, it's all sitting in front of you. It's in that one book. You don't have to go far to learn anything important about the Beatles. It kind of... Um, what it did for me is what the Beatle records do. It, it, it's like a time machine. It brings you back to, you know, to, to the start and it carries you through to, to, you know, to the end of the career and a little beyond that with the kids. And it's, it, I really, really enjoyed it. It's a great read. It's not a hard read. And um, I think everybody, Thank was, you. you know, it's, it's not, you know, um, there's books out there that do the same thing with uh, 1,400 pages, <laughs> you know. Uh, they're hard to get through. Yeah, but you yeah. know, what, one of the things that's unique about my book is I have four four interviews in it. Yes. Um, it's, it's broken up into moments and memories, backstories, and postscripts. And in the um, in the moments, you know, I have a, a short um, interview with with Ringo. I have a a, a short interview with James McCartney, right. who I interviewed backstage, uh, Paul's son. Yes. And I've got two long interviews: one with Mitch Murray, whose song almost became the Beatles' first um, yep. uh, single, uh, "How Do You Do It?" Do you do? And then Jackie Lomax, who actually lived in Ojai, which is about twenty-five miles from where I lived, and I discovered him. I I, I rung him up. I went out to Ojai, sat in his bungalow surrounded by pictures of Astrid Kirchner, who he he uh, actually had a fling with well, after Stuart Sutcliffe died. Uh, told me He told me about that. And, uh, you know, I, I took some good pictures of him, and, and uh, uh, he tells the story of the Beatles and the story of his life as a, a musician um, as well in that long interview. So it, I, I also wanted to go in depth about some Beatle, uh, you know, Beatle era um, uh, artists. Now, um, uh, guys like Lomax will tell you that being a musician is not always pretty. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, and I I know exactly what you're alluding to, but uh, you know, I, his band, The Undertakers, yeah. uh, he was, uh, <laughs> you know, he he got the job because 
the lead singer of that band, uh, The Undertakers, was getting in fights with the audience, and they were losing gigs because of it. They finally fired this guy, and and Lomax didn't even, you know, he didn't even own a bass guitar. He became the guitarist, the bass guitarist in the group, uh, and they let him pay off his bass eventually. So that's how he became uh, a member of The Undertakers, and he had kind of a high, soulful voice. He said he wanted to sound more black than white, and, uh, you know, that's that was that was Jackie Lomax's uh, uh, um, contribution. Of course, George Harrison produced his first album, sure. gave him the song "Sour Milk Sea." Yep. Uh, by the way, did that appear on uh, "All Things Must Pass"? Did did George do a version of that? On a, All Things Must Pass. There's a version of that on the bootlegs. On the bootlegs, but yeah, George actually gave up that song. It's a really nice song. Well, George, uh, it, George did it later on. Yeah, I think yeah. it was on his last album. At his last album, yeah, yeah. He, he he came back to it, but um, you know he gave Jackie that song and yeah. and um, well, look, look uh, it, it don't come easy. Great song. Okay, Ringo has writing credits on that. Ringo didn't write that song. <laughs> well, he sang it. Well, did, so. you, did, did you did you ever did you ever hear the George Harrison version of that tune without Ringo? Well, you know, I, no, okay. I, I know what you're talking about. No, 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 no. Please tell, tell, tell me the story. No, no, I have a bootleg version of it. It's, oh, yeah. It's George doing the song. Yes. And, 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 the, and it's his song. That, it is. Yeah. In fact, when I saw them do it at Bangladesh, Ringo forgot the words. <laughs> and he, he kind of, and then he got caught back, got caught back on. But that was, isn't, that, isn't that amazing? Yeah, you know, I, one, one of his biggest songs ever, and he yeah, forgets the words. George gave him that song. I don't yeah. care, you know. Yeah. You know. Um, George, well, George, George helped him actually write his Ringo's, uh, at least his first song. You know, you, it's actually, yeah. when, you, when you look in, at footage uh, of, uh, on the Let It Be um, uh, footage that came out, you know, uh, the, the, the movie, right. um, uh, when, it, when that first came out, you see Ringo and George uh, uh, actually trying, George helping Ringo work out a chord progression, <laughs> you know, to a, so- yeah. to a song that he was writing. And I think, I think it became Ringo's first first uh first yeah, album yeah cut. yeah but uh, it don't come easy um in fact i believe ringo's tracks are the same ones that george used the only you know they only swapped vocals yeah. and uh, george's uh, um uh, choruses have hallelujah thrown in yeah. it don't come easy you know and, and here's uh, some women in the back singing hallelujah yeah. but you know if um yeah i do have a copy of that somewhere so you know i i i, would, I, I like would, uh, would you, uh, would ringo's you, material would you like a copy of that sir I would. I'll send you one. I would love a copy of that. I okay. mean, you know, um, his, you know, his, his, his first big hit was uh, a song that he sang, you know, in the with Brian, uh, uh, excuse me, with uh, uh, you know Ringo Ringo's R- first R- first Rory, act, Rory Storm, Rory Storm and the Hurricanes. You know, uh, sixteen. You know, yeah, and uh, boys. He, he, he did boys with Rory Storm. Did boys there too? Yeah. And I, you know how I know that? I read your book. There you go. That's <laughs> in your book. So, <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, it's, uh, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. It's such a really great talking with you, Elliot. It is, and and that's why I um, enjoyed your book because, uh, you know, I, I I know a lot about the Beatles, and I was able yeah, to did. learn a couple of pieces from you, and that's what I think a good book is. Hey, I, w- I want to tell you just I put this picture up in the background that people can see of yeah. the Beatles. 
uh, a lot of people, uh, I want to just look back at it, because um, it says the Beatles at the London Palladium, Royal Command Performance. Of course, the Beatles uh, never performed, uh, there wasn't a Royal Command Performance at the London Palladium. It was at the Prince of Wales Theatre. So that's the first thing that's wrong with that picture. The second thing that's wrong with the picture is that it actually probably wasn't taken in London or in Liverpool, uh, in England. It was probably taken on the Beatles' first trip to the USA, uh, and they had a photo session outside Washington, D.C., and they think that this was taken um, at a, uh, outside an auto repair shop in, oh, a, wow. in, a, little, in a little alcove. <laughs> and uh, 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 you can, people can check it out online if they want to. But this is an iconic photo of the Beatles, uh, that uh, one of my favorites, but there's a lot more to the picture than meets the eye. Well, do you know? Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Fly on the Wall. There are more great interviews to follow so please list us as one of your favorites and be sure to follow. We are listener funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. Please remember to share our info. Thanking you all.